Welcome to the Open Mic Comedy Podcast. I'm your host, Mark. If this is your first time here, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. The podcast is here for people on the open mic comedy circuit, whether you're a comedian, an MC, a promoter, a tutor, in fact, anybody who has any involvement in this industry. Or if you're a comedy fan who really does enjoy spending their time in pub basements seeing the possible stars of the future. Even better, if you want to join the open mic comedy circuit and you want to know what to expect, this is definitely for you. Today's guest is someone I've shared a stage with recently, an improv stand-up comedy right in fact, discussing random topics like topics like unlimited shrimp buffets, 24-hour bars for Jews, and delving into Hitler's religious background. He runs his own comedy night in North London called Square Go. Please welcome to the stage Imran Hafiz. How's it going? It's good, mate. How's it going for you? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I was just um, gigging last night, actually, at Backstreet Comedy. Yeah, that was that was a wild night. <laughs> yeah, I could go. I could tell you about that actually before we we, we kick off with like myself, just because it was yeah. just fresh in my head. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. This Give is a glimpse a, of what, what could happen. I'm sure Para, Paris would uh, mind that I'm uh, sharing. He's going to be blasting it all over Instagram and YouTube. So um, <laughs> basically, last night we had a heckler, um, and it was and the and the girl. Like so, this group of girls—they were all like kind of chatting throughout the night, now and yeah. again, um, kind of not that annoying, but just kind of you know we had to keep kind of pointing over to them, and be like, "Hey, what are you guys talking about?" Like the MC had to keep doing that because yeah. that's usually the MC's job. But then Par- Paris, who runs the night, he came on, and um, basically he started. He was trying out new material, and as a comic, you know, when you're trying out new material, um, you are trying to feel it out. You're trying to figure out how to like um timing of stuff and he has a guitar so he's also like playing stringing things during it as well <laughs> but the the group of girls one of them kept talking a bit not like so loudly but they were having a chat and yeah. then um pa- paris went and addressed it because that's what he does he's also the runner of the night but he also does emceeing sometimes as well so he addressed it and the girl one of the girls was just like um oh we're talking because you're not that funny and then everyone was like, oh, shit. Oh, no. And then he challenged. He was like, oh, what? Do you think you could be funnier? Do you think you could do better? And then she made a comment about, oh, all you're doing is just stringing your guitar. You're not even, like, making jokes. You're just, like, playing your guitar. <laughs> and then, basically, I don't know how this happened because this is a very random thing that never usually happens in open mics, right? <laughs> she got up and she went up and performed because, basically, pa- Paris, like, challenged her Diesel as well, who's the MC. He went and said, yeah, why don't you go up and, and do do a joke? And she wow. actually got up with her glass of wine in her hand. Um, and she got up. This uh, this is a girl. Just to describe what she looks like, she's a white girl, tall, uh, slim, and like uh, bob cut hair. Yeah. And then she got up uh, white. I think she's English, like probably from the south. Sounded quite southern. And she got mm-hmm. up and then she started trying to do a joke. But Paras just kept like heckling her just to like show her like what it's like, you know? Like... <laughs> When she's trying to do her joke and like you, you, you were showing her that, but then we were just like, okay, let's give her some time. Let's see. And then she started doing a monologue. Like, yeah. this is the thing in comedy. Like when you're new to it, you usually start off by doing a monologue because you don't realize that you have to like be punchy, do jokes, try to like keep it tight. So you start yeah. off with just telling a story. Um, so that's what she was doing. So it was literally her first time on stage. It was just such a weird kind of experience to watch because usually that isn't the first time people go up. They don't go up from a heckling to stage time. So yeah. it was really odd. Um, it didn't end very well, actually, to be honest. Um, 
she ended up uh, not really finishing her joke because Paras was like, this is going too long. He ended up just getting the MC to stop it. And then she yeah. just stood there for a while. And the next comedian who came up, he was just so flustered. Like, he did not know. How, and I would be, I would have been the same if I was the comedian yeah. going up after that. He just didn't know how to address the room because she was still standing there. And he was just like, this feels awkward. Why don't you go get a seat with your friends? But she yeah. didn't want to sit down with her friends. And I felt like it's because she was just going to leave and that she didn't feel like going back to her seat and that she was literally just waiting for the moment to just be like, I'm going now. And that's ended up what happened in the end. Like her friend ended up getting up. One friend got up and I think that's the friend that went up beside her and then she just left. She made this comment before she left and it was because Reese was saying to her, uh, do you want to have a seat? Uh, do you please just sit down like this just feels awkward and she's like no i'm comfortable standing i think if i sit down i'm gonna just start crying and we were all just like oh god man (laughs) oh no like oh no this isn't this isn't good but uh, in the end um (laughs) the the comedian who who was dealing with this his name's reese kena he's a a sound comedian but all he could say he just (laughs) he just kept saying that i'm from northern ireland i don't know how to deal with this i'm from northern ireland (laughs) Like, as if being from Northern Ireland, you just can't handle this. And then I even made a comment because he was saying, I don't know how we manage this. I'm like, Good Friday agreement. Yeah. <laughs> <Good> Friday. <laughs> oh, man. It was just chaos, honestly. I'd like, it, it, I've never seen it before. The thing is, is every time I go to Backstreet Comedy, every time, I'm not even kidding you, every time I go there, I've only been there once every like month or two months. Yeah. But every time I go, there's always some, and I, I don't mean to be racist or anything, but it's always a white woman who's usually blonde or has some kind of haircut or something, who, yeah. who heckles, who drinks yeah. a lot, who heckles, and then, like, you know, ends up having to leave because they're just too noisy or their friends all tell them to quieten down and eventually they quieten down. But yes. that seems to happen, and it's in Hammersmith, this gig. I don't know if it's because of the location and the kind of people that come to it, but it's just, it was just a weird... Uh, situation again but this was the most odd thing i've ever seen i've never seen someone go from heckling to stage like that's that's rare. yeah like, that's, so that's, it's all, that's brave yeah so i definitely would say anyone listen to the podcast go follow a backstreet comedy by the time this comes out it might already be online it might actually be there because <laughs> yeah, it literally probably. just happened last night and faras was like i'm gonna get that on <laughs> gonna be slapping that on youtube instagram everywhere <laughs> uh, have you done backstreet before mark no, I haven't. No, yeah. not at all. I've, I've not actually heard of it. Yeah, so I'll, I'll definitely have to look that one up because I'm. I'm quite. I'm. It's quite interesting hearing you talk about hecklers and stuff like that because um, mm. I'm at the kind of early stages of the comedy journey as such. Yeah. So usually it's the. Um, I'm in those places where the MCs <laughs> like don't heckle, just don't heckle. Yeah, yeah. And, and everyone's like oh, okay okay and yeah, yeah because it's, it's i guess you're generally on those on the bringer nights as well they're people's friends so they're they're not going to be total dicks about things mm. but it's, it's always interesting to hear the stories of the hecklings about so when i enter this journey as i go through yeah. the journey and later on i'll go to hopefully bigger and better venues and stuff like mm. that there'll be there'll be some more uh interaction and trying to yeah learn how to deal with things so how long have you been in stand-up now and how how and why did you choose to try this mm. out yeah for well, for nights like that honestly <laughs> <laughs> nah, i just um so i went through a breakup in 2022 typical story to start stand-up isn't it yeah. uh, and basically yeah um it was a three-year relationship one year long distance because of covid um and she went back to singapore and then basically 
I was just like, I came out of the relationship being like, I actually have no creative hobby. Like I have nothing mm-hmm. that I do creatively. The closest I got to creativity was um, playing video games, maybe, and like maybe making some things on Minecraft, stuff like that. But yeah. very low level kind of creativity. And my background's in engineering. I don't do engineering anymore, but that was my background, like science. And that's all I did at school. And I never really yeah. did anything creative. That, that like The closest I got was joining a video game like me and my mates set up like our own little mobile uh, video game making company. And it was not really a big company. It was just us eight guys and a couple of girls all just trying to make a video game on the computer. But we yep. didn't end up doing it in the end. But that's the closest I got. And like my, my contribution to that company was making clouds for the game. Like that was <laughs> learning how to code, learning how to code to make the clouds, the weather, um, to yep. make it seem more realistic for this video game we were making. But anyways, that's why I saw this come up on Facebook, basically, this thing, um, Ultra Comedy, it's called. Okay. Um, and it's like a comedy course, but to raise money for charity. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of it. So it's kind of like the white collar boxing, but you're not beating people up, you're making people laugh. Yes, yes. It's like that kind of the boxing, Ultra co- ultra Boxing is another one that they do. Um, yeah. And yeah, so basically, uh, it's training yourself to do something that you haven't done before or that you want to learn. Maybe you have done it, but you want to learn or, or like get yourself on stage. And basically, yeah, I did that. Um, I only ended up attending four out of the eight weeks, which was like the minimum <laughs> you needed to attend because I had yeah. a holiday in Pakistan and I was like, oh, no, I'm going to miss like three weeks of it. And then I missed another week because I was like not ready to um, practice my material. I, I didn't have it ready. Um, and yeah, it was just one of those things off the whim. I just kind of felt like, you know what, I'll push myself into doing this. And then I did it, and I never did any gigs before that. So literally, my first gig was in front of 150 people. Yeah, and like maybe 15 of them were people I know. So yes. like 10 percent of the audience were people I know. Um, so it was wild. Like when I went up, I wasn't prepared, and yeah, this was back in December 2022, and I literally the night before scrapped my whole set. <laughs> And was like, I need to, I need to do something that's more me, rather than trying to like make something that like you know, like goes through a monologue or whatever. I was like, nah, I need to just chuck some jokes in here. I need to just make this into like something punchy, yeah. um, so that like my and my friend was listening to my set, being like, nah, man, that's not you. You're like, you're like making a story here. Like, you know what you are like, and you know what kind of comedy you like to do. And you're, and then he kind of helped me a little bit, ghostwriting somewhat. Um, and like we ended up uh, like car journey Glasgow Edinburgh just like coming up with pretty much half of my set being new, and <laughs> um, and then it was funny because on the day right that it happened the showcase, um, people were going really fast. Like I, and yeah. I understand it's maybe their first gig and you know they got a bit freaked out by the amount of people that were there, and they're supposed to do five minutes, but some people <laughs> were just doing two three minutes. And okay. I was I was later on, so fortunately because I was later on, the MC was like, and the MC was also the teacher who also taught us. She's like, yeah, go on as long as you want. You don't need to worry about time now. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I did a twenty minute set. Now I'm joking. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm <that's> ambitious. <laughs> nah, I just did um, a couple more minutes than five. So I ended up. I got it on YouTube and I looked at it and I was like, oh, I ended up almost doing a seven. So yeah. it's funny because most people's first gig is usually a couple of minutes, maybe a five at most. They mm-hmm. don't usually get into the seven territory. It's funny because on the circuit, 
to get a seven, you usually have to have been doing comedy for a bit and, you know, be a bit known to get yeah. seven minute slots. So it was kind of funny that my first gig, I was able to like make a video and I was able to have the seven. And yeah, it wasn't a perfect seven or anything. It was literally my first gig, but yeah. um, it's good to like look back and see that I was able to fill the time. And that's something in, in comedy that kept me going because I actually yeah. just really enjoy being on stage. I just enjoy being in front of people um, and just kind of, you know, having a bit of banter, just chatting about myself a bit. Um, and yeah, just... That's why comedy kind of leaned into me a lot more because it's it's just a more fun way of you know exposing yourself on stage, just being up yep. there and, and having fun with it. So yeah. So that that show, that showcase has led the way to. So mm. after was it a case of the yeah. showcase went so well that you went, that's it. Oh yeah, this is what so, I want to do. So this is what kind of happened. So I knew I was moving to London, and I started the comedy training course just. So I signed up to the comedy training course thinking I'm stuck in Edinburgh. I might as well do something fun. But when I got the job to go to London, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like I've literally started a hobby that will be so easily transferable because yeah. in London, I, I know that there's a lot more open mics and things. So I was like, okay, this is great. And I even met, I don't know if you've met Raj. Have you met Raj Savad? Raj. Raj, he's like a, sm a small uh, guy from um, like Northwest London. He's um, uh tamil kind of i think but, i might have actually yeah there's a couple of rajas on the circuit yeah but you'll, know, you'll know who it is when you see him um and i met him at a gig in edinburgh so i just started gigging in edinburgh before i moved to um, london i did a couple of gigs and i met him at one of the gigs and he said um that he'll set me up like i come through london he'll set me up he's got this app called gig gag that i can sign up to mm -hmm. um and i can find some gigs on that and then like yeah, he's like, I know this other gig that's not on Gig Gag. Um, I can take you along and we can bring for each other. Because that was something as well that he told me is a thing. In Edinburgh, yes. you didn't have that. You just kind of like rocked up and you just performed. Um, you didn't have bringers and things. So, yeah, it was um, it was good because he kind of helped me settle in. But basically, yeah, after the showcase, I was like, let me just keep gigging. Let me just. Uh, but it's funny because a lot of the material from my first gig, I didn't actually end up doing again. Like, I just didn't bother. Like. <laughs> I just had new stuff that I wanted to try out. And that yeah. first material was just me doing my showcase. And after that, I was like, let me just try some other things that I've come up with and just go around the circuit and have fun with it. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. So, and then after that, I just moved to London after a month of doing that in Edinburgh, um, December, the month of December. Then I moved to London in January. I took a, a month off just to settle into London. And then I got back in it again in February. And um, since then... I was adding up how many gigs I've done. I've done about 60 almost, or around about 60. Okay. In that space of February to um, now, and I was like, wow, I, I've done like more than, uh, like I've done about one a week. In my head, I'm like, nah, I don't feel like I have, but yeah, sometimes yeah. you just go through flurries. You know it yourself, don't you, Mark? Like where you just do like three in one week or four in one week. You're like, wow, that's you do a lot, and then you have yeah. some weeks where you just don't do much, and it all averages yep. out. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I did my first, I did my first gig on... Um tuesday this week and i hadn't gigged for nearly four weeks because oh, right, yeah. of christmas break but it was still mm. it was weird getting up on stage and, and doing it again um, yeah and it was a quiet night and it was one of those where you kind of go oh, it's a bit weird which, which gig was it <laughs> uh it was lollipops lollipops oh yeah yeah in I've, Southwark. I've heard of that one. Oh, that's suffolk yeah i think i was suffolk, just like that's too far in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh southwark as in oh, near london bridge blackfriars way yeah, yeah, that one, that one, yeah. So I'm part of the comedian booking group they've got on Facebook. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the things that they have. Yeah, I've been meaning to sign up to that one. 
but yeah, oh, that's cool. So, what's your um? What would you say your best moment on stage has been? Mm, I was trying to think about this. Like, um, I feel like some of the the best moments I've had have been on my comedy nights. So, the one I run with Square Go, um, Square Go Comedy, um, and just kind of like. I did my first 10 there and yep. it was it was it's hard to say it's my best moment because I wasn't ready for it but I think one of the things I like about comedy is how friendly it can be so yeah. if you've got the right environment and you've got the right people around you you can really feel like safe um yes. and I did feel like I was up there 10 minutes and I was just chatting away I, I my material wasn't really there I was trying out new stuff but in some ways like I think that's when I came to realize that I'm really blessed. Like my situation that I had there where I was able to just go up and do a 10, I run that night and things and I wanted to challenge myself. And it felt like a really good moment in my comedy time because I was like, right, I've actually managed to like settle myself into this place and start a night. I started a night in April. So I wasn't even that many months in. And I just started a night, uh, opportunity came up. Um, And yeah, basically... I feel like that was like a moment where I was like, yeah, do you know what? This this is the best so far where I'm able to kind of do this, meet really cool people through running a night um, and then be able to like fill out the 10. I ended up doing 11 in the end, even though I stayed to them at the start. It's like, yeah, it's, it's really nice, like, you know, being able to do a 10, but I'm not prepared for this because I had five acts drop out in the space of 24 hours and yeah. I was quickly trying to fix the night to make sure we didn't have not enough acts. I had to book in some big names just to fill up time slots rather than mm-hmm. having to book more comedians to, to back up. Um, so that took a bit of time out of me from practicing. But it still went okay. Like, I was still able to kind of spitball and do that. But, um, yeah, I feel like that's, like, one of the moments where I look back and I was like, it's quite nice. So yeah. this has always intrigued me, actually, then. How how do you how did you get your own night so like <laughs> take, take me through the process of yeah like yeah. contacting a venue working out a venue if you want it how, how no, you... this is the thing i'll be honest like i think it's funny how my life works out but in some ways things like in my life happen like this where i just stumble across things yeah. it happens with my relationships it happens with this so i just went to get brunch at blighty this cafe called blighty it's on blackstock road finsbury park yeah. and we were just looking for somewhere to eat, me and my mates. Um, we went out the night before, we were all hanging. And we were all just looking for somewhere to eat. And in the end, we just stumbled across this cafe because my mate lives, um, my, my mate's um, brother lives near there. And I also happened to live near there too because mm-hmm. it, it was just quite um, convenient how my friend's brother lives just up the road from where I happen to live in London. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know how rare that is in London to just <laughs> happen to have the right location for where someone else is. So anyways, um, we went to this cafe and my friend's, uh, my brother's, uh, sorry, my friend's brother's friend, <laughs> like he, yeah. he was um, uh, learning to be a DJ. So he was learning to like, you know, he wanted to jam, he wanted to find spaces that he could like, you know, test out his uh, productions, his music and stuff. And he went into this cafe, which isn't usually the kind of place you go into thinking I can DJ, but he went in and he was like, oh, this outdoor area is quite nice. I wonder if they like open it up and use it for like, you know, venue or whatever. I'm like, mate, it's a cafe. I don't know. Maybe. And then he just started asking him. He started talking to him. And then he was like, I don't know, like uh, music. I don't think we can do that because it's outdoors. It might disrupt the neighbors. I don't think we can do like a partying kind of thing. 
And then the light bulb just hit me. And I was like, what about comedy? He was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, we'd love to do like something like that here. Like comedy, yeah, we could do that. Um, the outdoor space might work in the summer because it was April. At, no, it was February at the time. Yeah. So in my head, I was like talking to him thinking, oh, maybe the indoor space, but the outdoor space is really nice. Yeah. And we were just like, uh, I just said to him, yeah, um, I, I might be into this. I'm, I, I literally was honest with him. I'm like, look, I only just started doing uh, open mics. I'm starting to get to know the comedians. So I'm starting to know who I could book on. But I have literally just started um, and I have an app that I could use, Gig Gag at the time. And he was yep. like, yeah, sure. Um, uh, just get in touch. And then I sat on it. Like I sat on it for like a month and a half because I was just going through some <laughs> stuff. Like I needed some things sorted out at work. I just like life shit going on. Like there's so much things to deal with. And then in the end, I was like, do you know what? I've still got this business card. I really should call him up. He was really excited. He really wanted to do this. Like the yep. cafe manager guy was like really excited. So I was like, do you know what? Let me just um, go in sometime and see him. And I did. I talked to his landlord as well. So like the person who's the operations manager for the two cafes, because there's like a Blighty Cafe in Tottenham. Yeah. And they also ran comedy, funnily enough. They ran a comedy night out of there for a bit. Um, yeah. And I can't remember the name of that one. Uh, it'll come back to me maybe later. But um, yeah, that one's uh, stopped anyways. So it's, it's kind of irrelevant to remember the name. But um, <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll run out of this cafe. Uh, I can run a different kind of night too because his one was dark comedy, dark humour. Yeah. Um, I think it was Wes Defoe that was running that one, but I just can't remember the name of it for some reason. I saw Wes um, on uh, yeah. Lollipops on Tuesday. Oh, was he there, yeah? Yeah, yeah, he was performing. He was good. He was a good, yeah. I've got him booked on this Saturday, so I'm looking forward to it. I've been, yeah. I've been wanting to see him uh, at my night rather than just see him on the circuit. Um, so, yeah, uh, basically... Uh, I started doing the um, comedy night then and it was like April, end of April, I decided to do it. And I was like, right. It was the reason why I delayed it a bit further though was also because of Ramadan. So mm-hmm. I knew that I had to fast and to do a comedy night while fasting would have been quite difficult. I think yeah. uh, generally I just didn't do any comedy really during that month either. Cause I was just kind of, you, you're in a spiritual zone and also you're just kind of, you're not really feeling like energy as well to like be able to do all the admin involved as well. Cause I was like, this is going to be my first night. I need to have the energy for it. So I yeah. did that a couple of weeks after Eid. Um, and yeah, I just um, set it up and it was, it, it was good. It, it, it's a bit weird because most people, they tell me their start of their comedy open mics and how they started their venues. They had to go around venue scouting, all this kind of stuff. They had to, you know, cut a deal with the cafe owner or the pub yeah. manager to be able to like not have to pay too much or to be able to meet some kind of tab or something like that i'm very blessed because the cafe manager was like look just try to fill the room and hopefully we'll make sales and yeah. hopefully it's enough so that i don't have the operations manager saying stop that now there's no point we're not making enough money and so far i think it's averaging out to be okay i, I know that there's been nights where I just haven't had enough people. He has been a bit disappointed. Yeah. However, I think he understands that on average, I'm going to have some nights that are really busy and I'm going to have some nights that are not. And that we're just going to have to like balance that out. And also the fact that he's on a salary helps because it means that he doesn't have to offset the cost of yeah. himself, at least. Um, he will have to offset the cost of anyone who helps him. So he does have people, employees that come in and help him. Maybe yeah. for the 
second half or for the break because it's usually the most sales are in the break the beginning yeah. of it isn't too bad it's the break that everyone starts buying stuff um so yeah he just kind of um helped like ran it helped me run it really and and was quite fortunate to let me do it every fortnight we had a period where we did it like once a week and it was just too much um yeah and he said yeah fortnights are good he can balance that out with his own social life as well so that he can try to make it every time um and then if he can't make it he has now some people who are like working with him now so they know mm-hmm. the night they they're up for it um so yeah i've just been very like fortunate you could say in my journey of how i got that night <laughs> <laughs> yeah so how do you find the this is another thing that's kind of interesting me with yeah. with that progression into having your own night how do you progress from being a comedian into being an mc yeah so I, I assume you mc a lot of your own nights and stuff no this forget. is the thing so people found me very weird when i started square go um because i was the first person i'm, I'm pretty sure i don't mean to like toot my own horn but i think i was the first uh, person who ran a comedy now who wasn't even there <laughs> like <laughs> there were some nights where i didn't actually show up and the reason why was because i really liked the opportunity that i could give to other comedians to mc yeah I think that I was really disappointed when I started going around the circuit seeing the same people I'm seeing every single time. And yeah. I'm like, come on, man, like you run a night, surely you can let other people in. So I started doing that. I was like, do you know what? Let me let me try this and see if they've got a point of why they do it. Yeah. And they do have a slight point. <laughs> they do have a slight point of why they need to at least be there. Like that yeah. is something that as a promoter, as someone who's running the comedy night, it does make more sense to be there. If you're not there... It can, there can be some issues, and if you don't have good MCs who are going to help you run the night, sometimes things can pop up or issues can happen, or yeah. the night doesn't get as many people, things like that. Um, so the thing is, though, in terms of MCing, I never really like learned or progressed into it. What ended up happening was, I made myself a rule, which was I'm going to always do one half comedians. So basically, you never have one MC. Uh, sorry, one half MCs so that you don't always have the same MC throughout the whole night. Okay. That's the rule that I set up on Square Go to stop me from to being like, oh, I'll just MC the whole night. Yeah. And also to keep the progression going so that people could still MC. And so yeah. that I'm not going to have nights where I'm just going to MC or I'm going to have one night where one person MCs the whole night. And I think that's the element of uniqueness I'm trying to bring into the, the open mic circuit. Because not only did I set up Square Go to just have my own night, I set up Square Go to also experiment and to try different approaches to yeah. um, open mic um, and not just to have the same formula as everyone else, which is, this is my night, I run it, and then I, I MC it. Or if I'm partnering up with someone, they're going to MC one night, I'm going to do a 7 or a 10, and then yeah. vice versa. I didn't like that kind of approach either because I get that there's comedians who are trying to get more stage time, that are trying to get you know more exposure and learn some things. But we're all in this together. And I do think that if I'm showing the model of Square Go and I'm showing that this is an approach that I'm taking and guess what, I'm getting audience and guess what, I'm getting more interest from comedians and I'm getting this and that. And females was a big thing for me too because I know in the open mic circuit there's not enough opportunities for uh, female MCs or for females to get sevens um, and even queer and non-binary people as well to get those opportunities. So again, that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to set up a formula to show people that this is what I'm doing with my night and this is how I'm running it. And maybe, you know, you can break your traditional kind of 
one MC, um, same kind of person formula yep. and you can like, you know, mix it up a bit and give more opportunities out to people so that we can all grow and develop. And it's not just, you have to start your own night in order to do that, you know, like yeah. <laughs> in that sense. Um, so I haven't really, I'm not a good MC. That's basically what I'm trying to say in a nutshell. <laughs> I've not been able to learn it enough. I've been doing one halves and I've been doing some nights and, and sometimes I didn't even do MC. I didn't even turn up. So I literally didn't even MC for like a whole month of August. I yep. had a week, I had a show every week in August and I didn't, I wasn't able to make any of them because I had plans. It was the summer. It was really busy yep. for me and I couldn't actually make any of them to perform or to MC. So to be honest, I had a whole month where I just missed out on my own opportunity in that sense to jump in. But um, yeah, that's the thing. Now I'm trying to make sure that I'm there. I'm trying to make sure that I MC at least once every month. Yep. Um, and like, I'm trying to learn, but it is hard. Like you, it is hard to MC if you're not doing it constantly because it is a completely different type of approach yeah. that you have to take. Um, you have to keep the show running too, so you have to have that in the back of your mind. It's not just doing your set. Um, you have to talk to the crowd as well. You have to like try to engage them. So yeah, there is a bit more to it than what I'm doing, which is just like one half now and again. And yeah. I'm just always going to be like starting from the beginning somewhat but um yeah. it's getting there it's getting there <laughs> i think it, i think it's a i think it's a really good skill to learn um mm. it's something i've not learned yet but when i see people that can be doing their set but then jump out of their set into crowd work that mm. engages that makes everything flow makes mm. it different from what people possibly heard before and then can flip back into their set at the same time yeah and and I guess as an MC as well, you've got to be, even when you're not on the stage, you're looking around watching what's going on in the room because there's bits in that's going on in that room that you could be talking about when it's your next. Yes. And then start building up again, building up the, um, not pressure, building up the energy in the room. Yeah. And stuff like that. And it's 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 an interesting trait that I think, um, I think a lot more comedians that are getting onto the open mic circuit nowadays want to experience. Mm. Whereas yeah. I, I get the, I always got the impression that those in um, from not the olden times as such, but those that were coming through as comedians, it was I'm just going to be a comedian. I, I'm not yeah. interested in finessing that skill. I just want to do my five, seven, tens, mm. even maybe twenties at some point. But yeah. it is it doesn't have that interactive element to it. But I think a lot more nowadays. I think there's a lot more interaction that's going on in in comedy shows, mm. as you said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Random people just going. Okay, I'll give it a go. <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny because um, just to make this point, there's this comedian called Matt Rife. Yeah, he's getting yep. around the whole like TikTok, Facebook, and all that. Now yep. he's known to just be a crowd work comedian. Like yes. he basically is being an MC, but he doesn't yep. realize that that's the reason why that he's starting to boom up and why is because it's actually getting audiences involved. And the thing is, is what I've realized in comedy is that there's so much funny in people that yes. can come out if you engage in that funny and you yep. engage in it in a respectful manner as well because yes. that's one yes. thing that you need to do as an MC. you can't just blast at people or just take the piss out of them like you have to do it in a respectful manner but also in a tongue-in-cheek manner too so that you actually make them comfortable and you make them bring out more um yep. and like this is the thing there are situations where you can just talk to someone they might look like the most introverted like non like social interacting kind of person someone who doesn't seem to like say much 
you, you have one interaction with them. They talk a little bit, right? They yeah. maybe say one thing, two things. Then you ask them about their job or you ask them about something more personal. Then all of a sudden, a, a light switch flicks and that they actually become quite conversational. And yes. it's a skill. It is a skill to learn as a person, as um, an MC, but as a person as well, to be able to draw out that kind of relatability from someone um, and to get that kind of them feeling comfortable enough to like want to engage and yeah. then that's when the best material comes out that's when you actually get some really funny insights and you get some really funny like one-liners or things coming out from that person it's not even from the mc sometimes yeah. it's just that person saying something ridiculous or something funny because they yeah. are just in the moment and that's what i that's what i've realized is that when you're able to um give the opportunities for comedians to try to do that you can get really fun nights out of it. You, it, it what people say to me, my night, and again, I, I feel like I, I don't want to seem like I'm kind of tooting my own horn or anything, but people come along to my night and they say, your night is so friendly. The audiences are always so engaged. That's yeah. so hard to find on the comedy circuit. Something where the audiences feel like they can be involved and attractive. And that's one of the main reasons why I do the um, one half MC thing. So yeah. that you get a balance of people it's not just the one same person who's talking to those people and you're only getting that kind of interaction. You get someone else in. So this Saturday, I've got this girl called uh, Hannah, oh, I forget her, she's double barrel name, uh, but Hannah Davies. Um, and she's a very high energy, she does MCing, she's done it yep. for TNT, but and she's been around the circuit quite a lot, so she's quite uh, well known. But she's a very high energy kind of MC, like she's just very like, you know, giddy and like, she has fun with the audience and things. Yeah. And this is different to my style. My style is more just like have a chat, have a bit of banter, um, be relaxed, kind of, you know, not too high energy. Um, but this is what I mean by like creating the environment where these open mics don't have to be a, a level thing like that. Yeah. And then that gives comedians the opportunity to then also learn how they can be interactive like that. It also... I feel like my night brings out more crowd work from the comedians too. They're more likely to engage with the crowd because they're yeah. seeing the MCs different. They're seeing the audience be more interactive with them. And then they're more keen to actually try to do crowd work and to try to engage because they can see that this is a room for it. This is the room to try. And we need more of those rooms. We need more of these like open mics that have that energy and that vibrance to like yeah. know, engage the audiences. Oh, definitely. Um, I, yeah. I think there's there's a night in um. It's probably actually not that far away from you. Along mm -hmm. um, I think it's Holloway Road, uh, mm. BFF comedy, where yeah. the two guys that run it both yeah. MC it, but they 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 flip and flop between each act between the MCs, and it's yeah. almost like you're having extra acts on for the audience. Mm. And the, but when you have the um. And you have, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, so forgive me for that. But the, uh, Miles the first... Dan. I, I know yes. BFF. I've been to BFF. Yeah, Miles and Dan. Yeah. So when Miles does his bit and then yeah. introduces the comic and then Dan will come on, Dan may reference something that Miles has said. And, and they're almost yeah, yeah. having a bit of banter Ban between themselves yeah, 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 yeah. and what they're both seeing, yeah. which is quite interesting. It's quite quite fun. I've always enjoyed that that night when I've done that. Um, yeah, it, I did BFF comedy of um, December. That was, yeah. It was yeah, a good think... night. Yeah, I did. I think I did it in November, and I forgot half my set, which made it even better. <laughs> it, 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 it encouraged me to kind yeah. of have some fun, and uh, yeah, it was it was a good laugh. Yeah, but I think that um, 
those those type of nights and i i do want to touch on this a little bit later yeah. on um like the the alternative type of night so you have mm-hmm. the nights which are your standard stuff that we all know mm-hmm. then you have the nights that put on like dark comedy mm-hmm. but the most interesting one i think i've been involved in and you were there as well was the improvisational yeah, yeah, one yeah i think that's a really good night i'd like to talk about that yeah yeah in I'd, a bit I'd of detail yeah yeah because i think that's that's almost a um that's a practice routine as an MC. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Without it being that. And having mm. to think on your feet and you you seeing what's going around and then you start you start referencing things that you'd heard before. Yeah. But the annoying thing or the frustrating thing I think I found with that night was I've proposed this format of nights for somebody who's local to me. Okay. I th- I think rather than having um say twelve acts do five minutes. Yes, you have eight acts do ten yes. minutes, but yes. split, but split into two five-minute sections. Okay. So, because what I found personally for me was I was because I think you were second or third on. Yeah, I think on the I was not. Half, I think it was, and I was not long on. I was one of the ones in the first half, and it was just like I've done my bit, and then you're hearing other people, and you're going, "Oh, I could have that. That's that's. Yeah. I've got something in my head for that, and I could have." And you, yeah, giving that comedian comedian the the second chance again in the second half after mm. hearing some stuff, I think yeah. is quite interesting to see how people react to it, and it also gives you that little bit of extra. You're and more it, involved in the night, yeah, and it validates the people that are there. So, like the audience members who put up their ideas or suggestions, um, and like just generally like the improv part of it, like um. I do think that um, I was quite fortunate. You're right. Being in the second half and getting that perfect interaction with that couple as well. Yeah. Like that night, that was, that was brilliant because literally a light bulb switched in my head and like, yeah, it just became uh, something funny. I mean, we could, we could do like a, a part on that if you want, rather than just like spitball. And unless you want to talk about it now, just get on. No, I think, I think, I think this, this kind of chat about it is actually quite nice because it's, yeah. this is a natural kind of chat. I had it down yeah, as yeah. something to chat with later, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's mm. the improvisational way comedy is and it's random and things happen. Yeah. This, this podcast is all designed to be just chatting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah see yeah. what happens. That's yeah, it. yeah, and it's it's it makes it uh it makes it feel more natural and less contrived if you know. What yeah, I mean. yeah, I was gonna say that because you were like, we'll talk about it later, and I'm like, I'm the kind of person who just talks about stuff in the moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't I'm that, that. I, I have to be that person because if I don't, I'll forget. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh but, man, I've got a very bad memory with a lot of things. Like, um, but yeah. So in terms of that improv night, though, I do. I I would say this. Like, um, I signed up. I was one of the first people to sign up to because. This is something that I've been wanting to do. Like, yeah. um, even this podcast as well has been something that I've been thinking, you know, more people need to know about open mic. and need to yeah. know about what's going on. So I just didn't have the, the luxury of, I didn't have like some time that I could allot and I'm starting a new job and everything. So as soon as I saw that you've done this, I was like, perfect. Like I can jump on this. I can follow it and promote it. Just because the, this is the thing, like improv in itself. It's funny as well. How many people know about improv? Like mm. as, a, as a concept people don't realize that there is a, a sometimes they don't think that there is a connection or that there's a way of bringing both of them together yeah. they just think that comedy is comedy and improv is improv yeah. and that one is by yourself and one is with a group yeah. but actually you could do improv on stand up with yeah. the group of people that are there and that actually that's your improv group and it's it's funny because people 
I've, I've realized that some people haven't picked that up going around the circuit. Then they come to my night. And what I used to do, and I don't do this anymore because I'm working out what I can do instead, mm-hmm. is I used to do a competition where I used to do at the end of the gig, I used to somehow figure out who the top four comedians are. I had different methods of doing it. And that was yeah. the main reason why I got rid of it. Because I was like, this it's just too difficult to like figure out who the top four comedians in the night are. And also it makes it into a competition when I haven't actually categorically set it up as a competition because it's a new act, new material night. So yeah. in some ways, people turn up being like, oh, wait, it's a competition. Oh, I would have done my best stuff. And I'm just like, oh, wait, well, it's all right. Like, it's not a big deal. It's like a mini competition. But then, so the competition, though, the main reason why I did it was to let people do improv. So to let people go up on stage, the top four comedians, and I would collect suggestions from the audience, like Tyson was doing for the improv night. I'd collect suggestions from the audience, but I'd only give them one minute to make jokes about one topic. Right, okay. So they, they'd go through the, and this is another thing I had an issue with was how do I give them the topic? Do I give them it randomly? Do I give all of the topics out and they choose? Do they like do a little swapping routine with each other? Because one night they actually did that. I think some of the comedians were like, hey, take this one, I'll have that one. <laughs> and it's like, it was hard to manage. But basically I would do that to try to get the top four comedians who have obviously shown promise because the audience like them. Yeah. To get them to challenge themselves, to do improv, to, to just make a joke. But the thing is, is the competition wasn't that they didn't um, decide the winner, the full on winner from the improv. A lot of the yeah. times they were deciding it on who they liked the most because yeah. of their set. And, and and I think that's the thing that I was trying to figure out is if I want to keep that competitive element, I need to make it just improv, but then I also need to make the comedians only do improv so that they're only going to be judged by their improv and not by their set material. Yeah. And I think, that's one thing where I was like, okay, I could maybe do first half normal stand-up, second half improv. And that way, the improv people from the second half could actually touch on some of the comedians' jokes or touch on yeah. some of the stuff, but also they can do the improv with the topics. But I still haven't figured that out yet. I still haven't set up any nights yet to do that process. I've been booking comedians. There's just so many of them who want to just do stand-up. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of them will just come and do crowd work anyways, naturally. But I do think that it's something I wanted to look into because that's a gap. And you're right, that's a gap to, to get the comedians to want to do improv, to try crowd work, to actually give them the circumstances to be like, look, you've got five minutes, just go and do improv, go and do yeah. crowd work. You've got the license. There's no um, restriction on it. You don't have to brute your way in. Like some comedians, they just do it. Like they just do crowd work anyways for the whole yeah. five. And I'm sitting there like, okay, yeah, go for it. And I don't stop them. But some of the people are like, that's not fair. How are they able to just do crowd work the whole time? <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, so maybe making it official will make it a more comfortable thing for the comedians to go for. If mm-hmm. I'm saying to them, hey, you have got five minutes to just do crowd work. And, yeah. and you don't need to worry about filling it with your set material. You can literally just have fun with it. Um, I'll get some topics from the audience, things like that. Um, kind of like what Tyson did, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's. I think that's a very. I think that's a good format. It's, it it makes it the audience then genuinely know that when the comedian is on stage, they've not said it before. Yeah, everyone knows the comedian said it before in in a normal set, but when when you're <laughs> advertising this as improv improv stuff, mm. the, the, the I think that the guards come down a bit from the audience and kind of yeah. Go, it's I I know hundred percent in the back and front of my mind that this is genuinely almost just for one night only. 
Yeah, exactly. And it makes it more um, unique. Um, I mean, you get things like Backstreet happening where that is a very rare thing that's never going to happen where some girl's going to heckle and then come up on yeah. stage. And that is literally like a one-night thing. But yeah. sometimes you just... Most nights I go to open mics, very standard affair, very... You know what's going to happen. You even know some of the comedy comedian sets because you've seen yeah. them around the circuit. So, um, yeah, and it's just like... Whereas if I do have like... So I'm trying to figure out and flirt with it a bit. Like one half... Um, uh, com- like the improv uh, stuff. Um, yeah, so... So but how do you find? Like, so you met. You touched on competitions, uh, trying to set up or create mini competitions with it. How how do you feel about them now that you've done them? And how did you decide? Because obviously, comedy is so subjective. Yeah, um, you go you go to you go to some competitions, and it's it's based purely on the um, the crowd reaction. But then, if that person, if the person that's won it has brought half the audience with them. <laughs> that reaction is going to be and you do get those you do sometimes get the nights where there's a competition going and somebody's brought along a few friends and Mm. they for the other acts they just won't they won't do anything they won't murmur Mm. they won't make a noise because they don't want to make it look like their friends not as good as somebody else yeah and i always find those nights really awkward and weird and you kind of you always look at them at the end of at the end of the night and kind of go well was that worth it did i did i want to be involved in that because it's um mm. yeah i i I've, i think i might have said this before in a previous episode where i was i was actually at one which had like one of the clap offs at the end and oh. everyone knew there was going to be one and um the mm. person that won it had actually basically read their set but because their six friends were giddy and drunk and loud it's just like yeah yeah okay yeah Fine. i'll accept that one <laughs> but you know it's just like you can't you, if you want to be taken seriously at all then don't 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 base it on things like that yeah that's so that's the difficulty i was having because i I'm, I'm i'm a fair person i'm trying to be a fair person but the problem i've had is i i, I was looking at the technology element what's the technology out there that can help me collect votes that can help me yeah. you know out with this problem of clap offs and even a clapometer there's not really one that's working properly because i tried that um i could even go through the evolution of what's happened and then why i ended up just stopping the comp actually i could just to give you the lowdown it started off with um me getting a ballot voting so i started off like that and yeah. i was basically starting the night saying hey guys, submit your one-word topics. Because it was always one-word topics. And the reason why I made it one-word was to make it easier for the comedians because they know it's just going to be one word. It's not going to be a sentence. It's not going to be something long. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to be something usually more simple too if it's just one word. Um, But yeah, so I did them. I had pieces of paper. and I'd get them to like, you know, um, with a piece of paper, uh, put in their one-word topics. But also I'd give them a piece of paper at the end of the show and I'd mm-hmm. say, look, write down your top two comedians, right? Top two. Um, and that was so that I can get a bit more of a balance as well. Yep. So it's not just your top comedian. You have to put in your second. And I would count the votes in the same manner. So I wouldn't say top first, top second. I would just say how many votes has someone got? Yeah, yeah. i tally it all up. And that would be a manual process. It'd be a very paper-based process because I couldn't find the digital solution. 
I couldn't figure out the digital solution that would be the most intuitive as well. So one that people could just easily scan, vote, it would work. I'd be able to see the votes. It just wasn't really working. I tried different methods, Microsoft Forms, Google Forms, all that stuff. It just never really seemed to be seamless. So anyways, the paper was the only one I kind of relied on the most. Um, And usually it worked in that sense of getting the top four. But once Mm -hmm. you've got your top four, how do you decide who's the top? Now, sometimes I would do it based on my own reaction from the improv. That didn't really work. It's hard for me to make that judgment. Then I then used to just kind of cheat somewhat and not care about the improv. The improv, I would just say, is just them getting a, a challenge. And even if they do badly, they could still win because technically I would only add up the total votes. Usually yeah, yeah. the person who ended up getting the most votes ended up being the best at improv, fortunately. But yeah. generally speaking, I ended up doing that as a, as a method. Um, and then it just became a comp like that. Then it was just like audience voting. So who got the most votes wins. Yeah. And I would just have a little comp at the end for the top four so that the top four would be recognized so that they would be noticed by the crowd and mm-hmm. that they would have that one word improv topic. So in that sense, it kind of worked. But the problem I think I had was the admin. So having to go and get everyone to fill up a piece of paper and to then yeah. collect all those and then to add them up and the time that that took. Um, and also just generally how long the night would get because then the night would get longer because I'd have that extra section at the end and I'd have to have, and also prizes. So yeah. it would cost me, I think, um, I tried to do that voting system as well. I did try an online thing. But yeah. the problem was is that um, it just wasn't... Um, like seamless and then when it came to some of the comedians kind of arguing being like i didn't know it was a comp i was just doing new acting material and then some of them being like oh um well the first night i had this guy brought uh, like eight friends i didn't know i didn't know he brought seven bringers yeah, yeah. and then i found out after and i was like oh that makes a lot of sense why you won um and then this is the thing for for the prizes as well, I was spending money out of my pocket because I wasn't getting donations straight away. That was another yeah. problem that I had, and which we can touch on later. But like, um, I basically was buying coasters, so I made custom customized coasters, square coasters, because yeah. it's square goal comedy. And I was making these coasters and handing them out to the comedians who won. And then I'd also have a prize for the audience member who had that one word topic. Yeah. Even if it's a comedian, they'd get a prize. And that yeah. prize would usually be something ad hoc that I'd have to just come up with on the day or something in my room that I had spare that's kind of neat that I'm not using. <laughs> like yeah. random stuff. The first prize I gave, actually. Um, have you met Maple? Have you met Maple Zoo? No, no. He's a, a comedian from China. Um, and she was at my first night. And um, she was performing. But she didn't win that night. But she chose the one word topic that won. Yeah. She wrote that one more topic that won. So it was kind of funny. Like I had both comedians um, win prizes. And and I was like, damn it, man, it's supposed to be an audience member who wins. It's not supposed to be that. <laughs> and basically, um, it was funny because I didn't actually have a prize for the audience member. All I had was an assortment of things from my room. <laughs> and one of them was a flask. One of them was a candle. Yeah. And um and something else. Uh, yeah, maybe like an iron brew can because I'm from Scotland. So I like had a can of iron brew. I was like, I'll just put that there. Um, yeah. And there was three things. And it was really funny because I also let the comedian who won back then in my first show, I let the comedian who won get the coat. 
they didn't get a coaster back then because I didn't make them back then. So this right. was an idea I came up with later. So the prize I gave them was one of these things. And they chose the candle. They chose the candle over the flask. This was a nice <laughs> flask I had that was a tartan flask, which I knew was going to be gone. Like I knew someone was going to pick that up. Yeah. And it was funny. Maple um, was like, oh, you're not taking the flask? Okay, great. I'll take it. <laughs> it was like this nice tartan flask. And then the, the irony of it was, and this is why competitions, I just think that when they're set up like this, it just doesn't really work, is the next time I did it, I didn't have the coaster again because, again, that wasn't an idea that I came up with until yeah. later. And she won. Like, she won. Um, no, no. So back then, I managed to get the coaster. This was like the third or fourth show or something. And I managed to get a coaster and I invited her back um, to perform and she won the competition. And yeah. I say to her, oh, um, do you still have that flask? Because I'm pretty sure I used it and I don't know if you really want to keep it. <laughs> she was like, oh. And I was like, it's okay. I'm giving you a coaster. So you're, you're sound now. You've got one of these yeah. comedy coasters. You don't need the flask anymore. She was like, uh, and then she gave it back to me. Um, I've got her performing this Saturday uh, as well. But uh, we're good mates after that. But this is the thing about competitions. A, prize. And yeah. then B, I was wanting to give audience members a prize to encourage them to come up with a one-word topic. But it yeah. kind of backfired because sometimes it would be the comedians or sometimes, now this was a very odd moment that it happened here. Very odd because it's supposed to be completely random. Yeah. Um, One of the people who won, uh, he was a good comedian. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he was a great comedian. His set was really good. He even won a competition recently. Um, I think he won one of the heats for Cav or something like that. And it okay. was funny. He won my show. But when I say, hey, who came up with the one word topic? He looked at me and he's like, honestly, mate, I really, this really wasn't a setup. But it was actually my girlfriend who came up with the topic. <laughs> and I was like, oh, um, yeah. yeah anyone else uh, i was just basically like okay do you know what i can't give it to her i really just can't like i was just like sitting there and all the all the audience were looking at me like this is so weird like how does he even decide this like has he just changed the rules of the game halfway yeah. this is another thing about competitions is you have to kind of stay steadfast to your rules even when they backfire yeah. so on that first show when a comedian won i wasn't like and ask, screw you, I'm wanting an audience member to win and just keep going through until... But that time, I was a bit chaotic and I was like, no, I really can't give it to her. Uh, and then I came up I, and I went through the other word that I thought was the second highest, like the one that got the, the second most laughs. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we'll go for that one or something. And it was an audience member who won. Um, and I can't even remember what prize it was back then. But um, yeah, <laughs> it was just funny because this is the thing about competitions like that is you really don't know what's going to happen if you're going to do it with the audience. Yep. And then you don't know if randomly that person who gets the improv topic is actually going to win in the end. Yep. And then it happens to be their girlfriend. So that can happen. Um, and then that's the thing, isn't it? It's just, it, it was a bit chaotic. And that's why I needed to like remove it from the, the, the setup. All the comedians were so grateful because they're like, oh, hey, good. that There's not going to be a competition at the end. I have to like yep. go about in my head or that I have to stay for or, you know, the nights are not going to get long. Instead, I just book more comedians, actually. So I've been able to really open up the, the comedy night to a lot more comedians because I've freed up that extra time that I would have needed to give yes. to the comp. Because um, okay. comps take time. Uh, clap-offs, I started doing clap-offs as well, and that those were chaotic. Yeah, I, I really yeah. couldn't manage that. I, I was struggling because I'm trying to be a fair comedian, but sometimes some of the clapping, and it was funny, one time, someone called me up on it and they were like, remember, you're clapping for the best comedian, not just their improv. And then I was sitting there, I was like, oh no, I didn't make that clear. 
I had to do the voting. I had to do the clap off again. I had to just get them to all do the clap off again. Yeah. And I was just like, oh man, and it, it was just getting too chaotic with the clap offs. But um, yeah, it was like one of those things that I am. Um, I, I just yeah, competitions, man. Like I, t- I don't, I don't, I don't really. I don't really like them if they're just kind of a clap off and if they're just yeah, kind yeah. of like you don't, you can really control the variables. I think yep. when it's the variables aren't controlled, that's one thing about uh, comps that I don't like the ones where it's like random people in the audience that they just choose. Yeah, yeah. Again, that could just be random. Like, but at the same time, that could also work in their favor. You don't know if that person in the audience knows that person. Like, yeah, yeah. they could just pretend they don't. Yeah. And then you've got someone winning a comp like on our lie basically and and that's where i think um for me anyways if i wanted to go back into comps i would utilize technology i would set up a qr code i would have a proper organized format where they can vote on their favorite comedians and i would have a time limit on that kind of like britain's got talent kind of thing yeah yeah be that set up where actually everyone's involved you remove all the variables and you've got more audience too so that it's not a bringer night. Because that's another thing about bringer nights, right? Is that you can set up those circumstances if the competition is a bringer night. Because then you yeah, can yeah. literally just bring all your mates. And yeah. you know that the other comedians probably only brought one. And then you basically fill the, the kind of situation. And yeah. I think that's where bringer nights cannot be competition nights. Any any competition night that's a bringer night, I would say to the promoters, you're getting lazy. Promote your night. Do, do the job of a promoter. Mm-hmm. And... If you want to run the comp, then you run the comp. Don't run the comp on a bringer because all you're going to do is set up these kind of quasi circumstances and also the ones where the the judges, it's just one guy who's judging it. Those ones as well. Do yeah. not like those. Like those ones, it's basically a setup for a mate to get their friend up on the top yeah. four and to get them to do a clap off at the end as well. Like when it's decided who the top four is from the MC, that's when I'm just like, nah, this is just a weird comp, man the start this is just like i I don't even take it seriously i'm like uh, there's no point in me taking this seriously or or even like acknowledging it because it's just yeah a setup and it's like you might as well just like just pat yourself on the back like (laughs) yeah yeah there is that (laughs) so so in in terms of um your personal comedy um question i like to delve into with uh every guest is um what's your favorite joke Mm. how did you come up with it and how has it changed over time? Yeah, so I was just um, thinking about that. I remember when we were messaging about it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I've actually got one. Um, but it was something that happened recently. So a couple of months ago, I was I was going into a rut with my comedy material, thinking I'm just not being myself. Like, I'm doing material that's kind of catering to audiences, that's kind of yep. catering to the laughs and kind of, a bit more out with myself and just kind of, you know, looking at easy hacks in that sense. Like I'm a Pakistan, I'm a Scottish Pakistani um, and there's a lot of South Asian comedians on the circuit. And with that, there's a lot of hacks now. There's a lot of easy jokes that we can make as South Asians that we know all the kind of audiences would laugh at because we're stereotyping ourselves and things like that. And in my head, I was like, do you know what? I want to try something else. And it's funny because it's it's just the way the world works, isn't it? It's the way your life works. You as comedy, you kind of draw on the things going on in your life. I'm sure you'd relate with this, Mark. Like if yeah. something's happening in your life, you'll make a joke about it. Like yeah. it just is a way of processing how that was. And for me, 
I was going through a really bad uh, breakout of my eczema. Um, and it's a skin condition. It's a dry skin condition that kind of uh, takes up a lot of your time in your life. Um, because yeah. you're, when it gets bad, you have to start applying uh, creams. You have to start you know, taking medication. You have to start watching your diet. You have to start watching your hygiene as well. There's yeah. so many variables that come into your life after that breaks out. And then to get it back on track, it can sometimes take months. Like you can have a flare up and you're just stuck with it. Like, and it, I'm yep. still stuck with the one that I had from uh, a couple of months back. Like it, it right. kind of like, it's a bit more easily to easier to manage, but it's still there. It's still a problem. It's still something that I have to deal with. And as a health condition that I thought about, and I was like, do you know what? I don't know how many people know that eczema isn't just like a little rash and that actually yeah. it can be a lifestyle. It can be a, a life like that you have to live with. And then I thought about it and I was like, you know, there's opportunity here to make comedy about this yeah. um, and relate it back to some of the material I already have as well. Cause I was like, Oh, I actually have something that can kind of relate to this. Um, so the joke that uh, I say, uh, I'm kind of giving away the premise at least is <laughs> uh, <laughs> about how, um, I'm a I'm a Muslim. I'm a um, Scottish Pakistani, but I follow Islam. Um, mm -hmm. And for thirty days a year, I um, do Ramadan, right? And Ramadan is a tough thing for me. It's a tough month for me to to be religious and everything because it involves a lot of restraint. It involves restraining yourself from sinful activities. Yeah. And there's just one thing that I struggle to restrain from, and that's from touching myself. <laughs> Due to my eczema. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, is most people, if they don't know me or if they haven't seen the skin condition on the stage, because sometimes I do have a bad flare up and you can like see it. Yeah. Um, they don't make the connection. And it's really funny. And I've, I've had like the big laugh, big belly laughs from that. And yeah. like, you know, it's something I learned at the writer's gym. I went to Angel Comedy Writer's Gym and it's the clown ears. I don't know if you were there that day. I'm just trying to think if I maybe no, met you there. I've, I've not uh, done a writer's gym, no. You've not done the writer's gym. I thought that for some reason I thought you were there. Um, but yeah, so I went to this writer's gym. It's like a free thing that you can do on Sundays um, if you just go on to Angel Comedy. Um, and basically, um, one of the lessons they were teaching us was clown ears. And clown ears is basically, as a comedian, you are in the moment, but also after, like in your recording, yeah. you're listening for where you got the laughs. Because yes. you'll be surprised at where you actually get the laughs. It might not be from the thing that you think it is. It yeah, might yeah. actually be from just a, a thing, a, a off-the-cuff thing you said, or just like an in-joke within the joke that's actually got a lot of laughs. And you're listening for it. Because when you listen for it, you can then build on that. So yeah. what happened was I did that joke. That, like, I would say is like one of my best jokes at the moment. And what I realized was I can build from it. I can make a little joke again about... Um, you know, uh, how sometimes in the morning I'd wake up and if I run myself in the right places, I can <laughs> white stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, <laughs> and again, if you're continuing on the joke, you're thinking, ah, he's rubbing himself off. But no, yeah. I'm not, literally, it's, it's the skin. And, uh, and, then I, and then I developed it even further. And I was like, oh, I can talk about how this affects my dating because it has affected my relationships that I've been in. Um, but more on a general sense, um, I've struggled to keep the interest of a woman. And I think that's because I keep flaking on them. <laughs> yeah. and, and then, yeah, that was another one that people like love. So I've been trying to build into this and trying to like um, keep that element of my comedy because I do think 
what I've now been able to achieve from kind of doing that joke is relatability and yes. comedian and, and the audience being able to like like you because they're like, oh, there's someone who's telling us about his skin condition, but also making jokes about it. Who's not being down and out about it. And sometimes yeah. I would go on stage and I've had a really bad flare up. And doing this material, I might be a bit more in the moment and I would be a bit more down. And that's something I'm trying to learn how to manage my emotions a little bit because if I'm if my skin is really bad, I might just be talking about it and kind of being feeling a bit down because I'm like, yeah. But unfortunately, the jokes that I've come up with keep me on an even keel. When yes. I used to do a bit more of an improv with it, that's when I would go into the therapy session element. And yeah, yeah. That's when it would be difficult. But because I've got those set jokes now that I do, I keep myself on that keel. And whenever I'm developing the new jokes off that material, I'm trying to make sure that I'm like remaining within that realm and I'm not letting myself get into the therapy session. Cause that happened quite a few times when yeah. I was doing the eczema jokes. Um, and yeah, that's okay. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's quite, it's quite interesting to hear how it, it, like you've, you've gone from the first part to then mm. expanding again to the rubbing and then flaking. <laughs> it, it, it kind of, yeah. yeah, it keeps the momentum of the, the, premise of the joke going and i think yeah. it also allows if if the audience member didn't quite understand the punchline <laughs> of the first part mm. the second and third bits then yeah. make more sense if you see what i mean it, it gives them yeah. that little bit of catch-up yeah exactly that, cool. that was feedback i got from someone because they were like oh do you know not everyone knows what eczema is you mm. need to explain it better in the second part because i would usually just say eczema is a skin condition and some people are like, yeah, still don't get it. So now I've started seeing it's a dry skin condition where um, skin can peel off. Yeah. That then visualizes it in a person's head so that when I say, if I'm rubbing myself in the right places, I can create white stuff. Yeah, then yeah. the visual of the actual skin flaking, but then if they're smart enough in some ways, or not really smart enough, but if they just remember the co the connection from the pr previous joke, yeah. then they'll get, oh yeah, that makes sense that he was like joking about touching himself. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, and then rubbing and it it's like a it's something that i wanted to keep developing because there's one person that um you could say inspired it somewhat i don't know if you know Ib ibrahim ibs i i've seen him yeah so um ibs uh, yeah you have have you seen him he does the I've, seen, joke. I've seen him i can't remember where i've seen him i know i've seen him yeah you'll, you'll know you'll know you'll know it when you see his uh, set but like he does uh, jokes about having ibs a little bit and so I was just starting to do the eczema stuff. Then I saw his set and then that inspired me to keep at it, to keep yep. with it because I was seeing, and then I, I just started noticing more comedians doing stuff like this, like talking about their health conditions or anything. And I was like, you know what? That's what this is all about. Like comedy is a way of expressing yourself, but also bringing to light, like something like yeah. in, in the world. Um, either it be an observation or it be about yourself. Um, And I think that, with eczema, I do really want to, like, as I'm developing into seven and ten minute sets, I really want to come up with a couple more, like, things or, like, yeah. some more observations, life things that are going on day to day that I can draw on, that, that they can find funny. I've come up with some things, like, in relationships um, and stuff like that. Um, but I'm trying to look to see, like, day to day. Um, and I'm going to be going back into dating again because I'm single again. <laughs> uh, and, like, I'm sure, like, there'll be stories that come up from that somewhat, um, like... Yeah, not just flaking on girls, but like, <laughs> like literally, like other things that pop up. Um, like, like one thing that is, and some some health conditions, it's easier to hide, right? Yeah. 
eczema isn't so easy to hide. No. If you are nervous or if you are, you know, flaring up a little bit or if you have had too many chilies or, or whatever, I don't even know what my triggers are. So sometimes I just, could just happen to have it. Yeah. And basically, I, I can imagine if I'm on a date with someone and then I just start scratching myself, it do, isn't very, um, you know, attractive, is it? And like, <laughs> that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's just kind of like, you know, there's probably going to be funny moments that will come up in my life that I, I'm leaning into more rather than yeah. before I used to just ignore my eczema. I used to just be like, oh, it's just something i got to deal with. But then I was like, why don't I turn this into something positive? Why don't I like, you know, and also educate some people as well yeah. about, you know, um, eczema and what what's involved with like managing a skin condition. It's not just putting some cream on yourself and going about your day. There's no. there's other elements to it um, as well. No, it's, it's it's good. I think it's a, it's an interesting um, way of it's a bit of like you say a bit of self therapy as well. And <laughs> it, it, I guess it, you know, I've there, there's various things that I've I've had that I I want to bring out on stage and try. And, I'm, but I'm trying to work out how I can make them funny before they come out. And it's yeah. things like that that's. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, though, Mark. They're interesting. Like, if I did the eczema jokes. Um, without, like, when I started doing my eczema jokes, actually, it wasn't really that funny. Like, this is the thing about comedy, it sometimes is a developing process. Like, you're not really going to be able to get the funny out until you start no. speaking out loud. And in some ways, like, you know, if you kind of try it, and you have one joke. So fortunately, I had the, the Ramadan connection that helped me yeah. to be able to start the first joke. But actually, the jokes after that weren't that good because, again, I told you how I had to learn how to, like, explain it a bit better. Yeah. And then also the next part, the flaking stuff, again, I had to, like, uh, word that properly so people would understand it's about women. So it's one of those things where the great thing about the open mic and about the circuit in general is that you are given that free free license to you yeah. know, bomb a little bit, to, you know, try a joker that doesn't really work, but to then go up on stage and try something. And, and be a bit more vulnerable with it. So that's something that I was struggling to do. The reason why I didn't probably do the eczema jokes is because mm. in my head, I'm like, oh, this is going to be lame. Like, this is just some health condition. Like, people aren't going to laugh at this. But then I started realizing that the more vulnerable you can make yourself on stage, yeah, you might bomb a bit more because you're trying out things that are really off the cuff or just not really to do with that, like um, something funny. But, you know, it can actually... Uh, turn out later on the process you can start having your best material from it and yeah. you can have people coming up to you saying hey keep working on that joke that's what helped me a lot with the eczema stuff people would come up to me after and say hey like that was really funny but also i have eczema too so i completely like understand what you're saying or they would say something like yeah like i found that really funny how you like related it back to like religion and like yeah. islam um and like they like that that i do the ramadan stuff too like i have a joke about um that ramadan that the 30 days i also have another thing but it's not something i'm probably looking to to get rid of uh from my, from my <laughs> i didn't actually bring my props because i sometimes do prop comedy where i have props. okay and this is a joke in my set right now i'm like i keep using it because it's like something just stupid like something yeah. just random that people can just laugh at me rather than with me kind of thing um, yeah. and i put on some sunglasses um i don't have them with me but like um pretend i'm putting on some sunglasses or like and i say um i'm muslim and for 30 days a year i go from being <laughs> a playboy to and then imagine this is a moss cap <laughs> a, a playboy 
and basically yeah i like it's just an off-the-cuff thing it's actually from a meme that my friend found he's like yeah someone was making a joke about how people in ramadan these guys they just go from being playboys to playboys yeah and he just said yeah as an off-the-cuff thing he didn't even think that i would even do that joke he was just thinking oh yeah i'm just coming up with something for you because i was struggling before i went into angel comedy i was like oh what joke can i come up with that's kind of going to be more relatable to all the audiences and then he just told me that meme and i was like you know what i'm just gonna do that joke and then since then i've just been adding props to it like yeah yeah sunglasses i have now other sunglasses where i open them up rather than take them <laughs> off so when i do pray boy i just open them up to make them normal glasses um yeah. i should have brought the prop to be honest <laughs> but yeah um and that's just kind of a bit of the clown side of uh, comedy that i've been trying to engage with a little bit more as well um just to like you know have a little bit of fun with it and have a little joke banter and that yeah yeah, so, do you do any clown comedy in your stuff? Do you do anything I, like props? If you've if you've seen any of my very very earlier stuff that I did, um, mm. you'll probably you'll probably understand it. Is that um, my I wanted a way to connect with the audience that um, didn't involve me saying anything, made me just Oops. kind of get. I, I've I've successfully managed to get a laugh now without saying a word whilst going on stage when i'm doing a proper set and that is because um when i when i was doing my um comedy this is the background when i did my comedy course every week we were asked a top about a topic about something so it could be anything it was you know it's like uh, name something you've done this week or whatever but there was one week we were asked name somebody you look like or you've been told you look like (laughs) so you get the usual things that go around the class and i just kind of i'm in front of 15 people and i just said mm. yeah um probably from my early 20s people just just call me badil oh david and, badil yeah and everybody just oh, looked yeah. at me and went yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i yeah yeah even my very first ever facebook profile picture is of david badil and everybody <laughs> still knew who i was so what i did was um i started walking on stage with a t-shirt that said not david badil <laughs> and just, but when I first started it, I, I I would do like a reveal behind a hoodie or something like that. Uh, but then yeah, I yeah. experimented and I decided I would go on stage with the t-shirt open and yeah. not reference it and just see what happens. And all uh, right, and you get it, delayed reactions probably. You get like some people laughing later, like don't yeah. see the shirt. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> and it, it was a case of um there's I actually put up a reel on my Instagram where I think there's probably somewhere between ten and fifteen seconds of me walking on stage and not saying a word and continuous laughter. <laughs> and it's quite nice. But the downside <laughs> that, that, to that is when it doesn't work. If you're oh. in an audience where they don't know who he is or they can't yeah. visualize the difference the similarities we have, mm. it kind of falls a bit flat and you feel a bit weird. But <laughs> If you're doing it in an audience where you know, okay, the demographics about right, yeah, and they see it, and you get the laughter, and it kind of then it takes that initial pressure of having to tell a first joke to get a laugh, mm. and then bring the audience mm. with you. That 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 visual thing allows the audience to go, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I want to listen to this guy. He's made me laugh, and he's not said a word. Yeah, it's yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah, so I, I mm. kind of ditched the idea for a little bit because I've changed sets slightly, but yeah. um, it's coming back into the set. Um, That's, I can imagine if I ever did like the King Gong at the comedy store, 
I'm just going just to stand on that stage and get that picture. Yeah. And and that look and that feel of you're experiencing what you want to experience in the long term. Yeah, yeah. If you see what I mean. I mean no there's no disrespect to, to you guys that put on all the nights in, in various venues. It's 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 difficult. But when you go to you know, it's, I guess it's the difference between playing if you're a musician, you play yeah. in a in a pub in the corner versus yeah. maybe playing at I don't know, Hammersmith Apollo or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's that level of you get that feeling of what's going on. And you see people bomb, you see people die after two minutes. But for that two minutes, you look in their face, they're probably having a lot of fun. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's quite interesting. I like that that feeling. You get the experience of a professional environment for the for a period of time. I am jealous of the people in London who get to do it at a backyard or whatever. Like the yeah. they actually go to an actual comedy club to perform. Whereas in yeah. Edinburgh, they don't have enough comedy clubs that would let them do that. So, <laughs> so like basically, we had to go to some random nightclub in Edinburgh that's just not that great um, yeah. and cold and everything. But you know, you are still on in front. You're not on a stage, but you are in front of a bunch of people, mm. and you get like your photos and you do get like um, some shots and things like that. And you kind of go, ah, shit. What if I walked <laughs> into? You know, and you've got um, you've got uh sometimes you you end up quite a famous um mc and stuff like that and and you're in that environment where you've got a, a sound desk and you can see this and everything's around mm. you and in the lights and all that yeah, yeah and i i realized going into it that my set isn't a gong ready set yeah. i knew it wasn't because it's too much mm. of a story so yes. what i would need is i'd need people to give me the time of day to want to listen to it all to actually get it um, yeah. unfortunately the four and a half minutes my I was about to hit my what I class as my best punchline and basically oh. they would round off the whole thing and I got gonged off at that point and it was just like so annoying you've listened to four and a half minutes of this stuff and you've yes, missed but, yeah. the best bit I find it difficult as a, as a uh, MC to then be like when do I flash their light because they're like in the middle of a punchline and I'm like well, how long is this punchline going to be? And like, yeah, I need yeah. to tell them that they've only got one minute left because I need to keep the show running. And then you're in this like, dilemma as an MC of like, when oh. do I do that light? I don't want to throw them off. I don't want to. And also they just don't notice sometimes. I'm like flashing it everywhere and everything. Yeah, yeah. And all that. So I've been exploring <coughs> options technologically again. I think it's like my engineering brain that just kicks in with problems. <laughs> I need to solve them. It's like, I went online and I was like looking for remote vibrators so that's why i typed in remote vibrators <laughs> remote vibrating bands specifically because the remote vibrators was a weird weird uh... yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> even, remote, even remote vibrating bands were also coming up with some odd uh products i bet um, yeah I, I would i would recommend you guys type in remote vibrators and see what happens uh <laughs> Forever so, yeah, is your Amazon history d- destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do on incognito tab. Um, yeah, um, that's the thing. Like, all these sex toys are coming up. I'm like, come on. I went on Amazon. I'm like, come on. There must be something. The closest solution I've got is buying a smartwatch, right? Having a notification set up on it so yeah. that I can text it and then that would vibrate it. And that I can also get a. Um, 
I could text from WhatsApp and it would be a certain vibration. Then mm -hmm. I could text from Telegram and that would be a different vibration. That's the only solution that I, in my engineering mind, have come up with to give a silent notification yeah. to the comedian. Now, the one thing I would say is it might feel a bit weird because all of a sudden you're feeling a vibrate. Now, the thing yeah. is, is it isn't loud and it isn't noticeable to the audience. And I think as a comedian, you would rather have a, a bracelet or a vibrating band. Um, ideally, the tech, the best technology solution, because I've, I've mapped this all out in a business plan. <laughs> the best technology solution would be a patch that you can wear on your chest mm -hmm. that vibrates so that you can basically feel it. Yeah. But you, the audience doesn't see it. And you also don't have a visible thing on your wristband. I mean, it's a funny comedy prop in some ways. Like you've got this ankle. It's like having an ankle bracelet on as a prisoner. Like it's yeah. obvious that you're a prisoner because you've got the bracelet on. As a comedian, it's obvious that you're the comedian because you've got the vibrating bracelet. So there is a, probably a business opportunity here that I'm now giving to the world through this podcast. And someone will be like, oh, I'll make that easily enough. But anyways, um, it, that's this an is interesting thing. idea. That's a really it, interesting, it's an interesting idea. idea. And the funny thing is, is that it's also applicable to other walks of life. It's not just comedy. It's It can be useful for, like, I have a funny anecdote um, of how my mom, right? I'd be sitting upstairs in my room as a kid, and I'm sure you maybe had this experience as well. I think all kids do, but South Asian moms are a different breed. Um, basically, I'm, I'm sitting upstairs, and I'm sitting there, I'm like playing a video game or something. I've got my headphones on, and I can just hear something like, I'm like, What's that sound? And I'm like, I take my headphones off and I just hear my mom going, Imran! <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm just like, oh my God, has my mom been screaming like three, four times already? And I couldn't yeah. hear her because I had my headphones on. And in my head, I'm just like, you know that solution would be perfect. I know now most people have smartwatches, I guess. Yeah. And technically your mom could send a text message to your smartwatch and that could vibrate and you'd be like, oh, okay, I need to get down, like downstairs. My mom's saying dinner's ready, yeah. whatever. But what I was just thinking is, is like, people don't want a smartwatch. Like, if anything, old people, they want something that's easier to understand. Like, when I say old people, like, people who don't need the smartwatch facilities. Yeah. But nowadays, even old people have smartwatches because it tracks their monitors, their health and everything and all that. But the main thing is, is vibrating bands, basically, in my head. I'm like, if I could just have something that I could program, like a walkie-talkie, where yeah. I could press a button and I could vibrate in different pulses, that could let someone know Morse code. It's kind of like Morse code, but through vibrating. Yeah. Then, you know, you could use that as a, a tool of communication. Yeah. It doesn't have to be um, comedy only. Like, there's other applications that you could apply. Yeah. Um, and in my head, I'm just like, this happens to me a lot. Like, I go through phases where I'm like, I come up with a new business idea. And I'm like, oh, that would be really cool to do. And then I'm like, yeah, no, I don't have the time for that. And then I put it on my list. Um, or I come up with like a workaround solution or something and I'm just yeah. like, I'll just work around it. So like the smartwatch thing, I actually have an old smartwatch and I might be able to program it to be able to get it set up for this Saturday. Yeah. But the problem is, is I have to get the comedians. I only have one. So I'd have to get the comedians to take it off, give it to the next comedian, <laughs> which yeah. would be great. You'd want to have two in circulation so that you could have one person come off. The next person's already got the band on. They can come on. And then the yeah. person that just came off can hand it to the next person. 
like our handing the baton around kind of thing. Yes, yeah, I get um, it. I get so it. you want to have rotation, and I haven't brought myself to actually go and invest in a band yet. I'm going to see how tonight, how this night goes, and I'm going to use the spotlight as a as a change to see yeah. how the spotlight, a bit like up the creek where they do the blackout thing. I'm going to try doing the spotlight and see what I can do because I've got a remote for the spotlight, so I could actually press a button, change the color. Yeah, that might work. Um, yeah, there was an interesting yeah. one I saw at Angel actually because the one thing I've I've always um, had an issue with that with the the flashing of the light is that they'll say I'll flash you at um, four minutes if you're doing your five minutes, then I'll flash you at five again if you're still on. But sometimes you don't know if you're getting the first flash or the second flash. Yes. And what the guy did when I I did a, a gig at Angel was he did like a he had a on his phone it would be like a a white background was his flash to you to say one minute left but then yeah. if you went if it then went red it was five minutes are done ah yeah, yeah so yeah, you yeah. immediately know okay yeah if i'm if i'm on that red i'm i've got five seconds and oh. i'm out the thing is about angel comedy is they make you really scared about it so if you go over the well i don't know if you actually got this i maybe got this from a comedian and maybe they didn't give it in the the materials but i i was told by this comedian that if you go over the five they're not going to book you back on because you've not respected the allotment that you've been given. And that if they show you the red, that basically means enjoy your last set at Angel Comedy. And I'm like, really? Are they that strict? Like, come on. But in the end, I was so nervous going into that gig that I did below five. I don't even remember seeing the light. I was just like, right, I've managed to hit below five. So I'm happy. Like, I looked at my recording and I was like, oh, thank God. Like, because in my head, I was just thinking, oh man, like if I go over, because this comedian made me really nervous before. And I was just like, and he also said you have to be more prepared and ready. You have to have your best material. And in my head, I'm like, oh, no. Is it like yeah, yeah. I need to actually be prepared for a comedy gig for once? Damn it, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was already prepared, but he made me more stressed because he was like, yeah, you need to get like, good material. Your best material is an international audience. So you yeah, need yeah. to like be able to like don't do any like crude jokes. I was like, oh, man, all my jokes are crude. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was just like going through my gig being like, oh, well, what, can, what do I get rid of? Got rid of my halal porn stuff. So yeah, like <laughs> that, kind, that kind of um, that that talk about your best jokes. That kind of brings me on to kind of the last topic of this um, the podcast, and it's um, it's yeah. to do with this little book. It's called ah. <laughs> the Little Book of Shit Jokes by Sid Finch. And what I'm asking uh, every comedian that appears on this is to pick a joke from this book and yeah. then put it into their set and then record it put it on the socials and tag us the only thing is is you get to pick the joke but we don't know what the joke is you have to give me a number between five and 95 and at random that's your joke you can change the joke the joke premise has to stay the same but maybe the characters change to fit however you want to do it so it's a it's a little bit of a bit of a creative thing to do at some point in the future if you're up for it oh man so I have to just give you a number. A number between gonna... five. And the other thing is, if you pick a number that's already been picked, you pick yeah. again because no two comedians should have the same joke. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah, that makes it more fair to like, yeah. Hmm. Well, my favorite number is four, but you said it has to be above five. So yeah. Um, the natural one would be 44, but then I do. Yeah. Okay, we'll go 44. Go with your instinct. Okay. Yeah. Has anyone You've... done 44? Nope. You have okay. uh, there's two jokes on this page as well, um, oh. so you get to pick either joke one or joke two. Remember though, these are the little bit. It's the little book of shit jokes. 
Remember that. Mm. So what you're about to hear. So give me a number between one and two. Oh, so in the, page 44. Has two jokes on it. Oh, man. Because <laughs> uh, they could just be like, well, they're probably both equally as shit. But <laughs> um, I'll go for number one. Let's go okay. number one. Your joke that I'd like you to say on stage at some point in the near future and record and tag us is, <laughs> did you hear about the bed that ended up with a compulsory tidy owner? It was made for life. Compulsory tidy owner? Yeah, it was made for life. I still, I don't understand the first part of that joke, compulsory tidy. So they're basically yeah. saying the person's like super tidy. Yeah, so did you hear about the bed? Oh, it's made that... for life. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know what's funny is that in my last relationship, I was notorious for not making the bed. And this was something that I had to learn because I was like a bit lazy at the start. I'd be like, oh, I'll make the bed later because I'm going to go back in it or whatever. Or oh, I'll just do it later. And yeah. she was just drilling into me being like, no. And also she had a specific way of making the bed that I had to remember <laughs> And I'm just like, oh man, like I could work this into that stuff and be yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I'm not looking forward to dating again because <laughs> you could, you could of that. Yeah, you can work it however you want to work it in. I just think it's a little bit of fun. It's a bit of creativity. Yeah, it's, no, it's, that's great. It's improv stuff as well in, in a weird yeah. kind of way. It um, is. It's basically random. Like I did not know that. I, I, I promised to the viewers and audience, I had no idea that it would be something so relatable to me. <laughs> <laughs> This shows you how shit my life is, but yeah. <laughs> but no, that, that kind of um, that's, that's I think it's a nice little rounding to this episode. So if you yeah. can just let us know or let the audience know where they can find you on your socials and stuff, and I'll yeah. tag these in the um in the posts and on the podcast description as well. Yeah. So um, my personal uh, social is on Instagram, and um, yeah, I uh, used to have like a. Uh, name that was just standard and then i was like how can I, how can i make this funny and my name is imran hafiz mm-hmm. um h-a-f-e-e-z so naturally um i'm at imran hafiz <laughs> very so, yeah. clever very clever very, very easy for me to do things just work out for me in life it seems but yeah <laughs> imran hafiz and um i never actually explained why i call it square go comedy so my comedy night is called square go comedy yeah um and for those of you who don't know what square go means, I'm from Scotland, and that's a phrase um, that we would joke around about, but also it became something quite serious somewhat, um, because it's a method to start a fight. <laughs> so okay. if, if you want to um, fight someone in Scotland, you could say, oh, come square go. Oh, come, come on, man, square go. Like, isn't gotcha. like, let's square up. Yeah. Let's, let's get into like a box, boxing kind of thing so square go and that's where the late the the logo came from because i wanted to do like that kind of element that's where the competition came from too so i actually all kind of derived from that element of yeah so, like you know we're all square going and then the reason for top four was because of four corners in the square so yeah i got it no, i got it yeah <laughs> so yeah you'll find that um at square go comedy if you just type it all one word and does it run every month or every month so every fortnight i'm working on i'm looking to open up a new venue as well because i've had a lot of interest there's also a locals group 
<clears throat> I recommend people download Locals. It's a really great app. Um, you're able to find all these different socials that are on in your area. Um, I have a lot of participants on there and some of them, they do want to make friends too. So I try to make my comedy night also a bit social in yeah. that sense of I try to encourage the people. I get the people who are from Locals, put their hands up and, you know, so that they can all see who they are and that they're all people. They're kind of trying to make friends. So that's also called Square Go Comedy. And right now it's every fortnight at the Blighty Cafe, which is on Blackstock Road, about a couple of minutes away off from Finsbury Park Station. So really okay. easy to get to Victoria Piccadilly line. Yeah. Um, but I am looking to open up another venue, hopefully soon. And I'll keep in touch if you when you put up the, the post. We can also... Yeah. Uh, put up if I have a new venue by then. But other the, otherwise, it's every second Saturday. And our next one is, well, I don't know if I'll be out by then, but 13th of January is the next one coming up. Then it's 27th. And then I have the 10th of February. Yeah. Uh, 27th of January. Then I've got the 10th of February. And I've got the um, 20, that'll be two weeks after, 24th of February as well. Yeah. So that's the, the dates that I've confirmed. But what I'm hoping to do is to just keep doing it every two weeks. So if you do, if you can't make it for any of those dates, um, just keep on the socials. And I'm pretty sure I'll be able to keep that going. Even during Ramadan, I'll just get guest MCs to run the night and I'll maybe I'll attend with my uh, food to break my fast. With <laughs> <laughs> but probably cool. not because I won't have the energy if I'm fasting. So, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> And you can you can find us at um, Open Mic Comedy Pod on Instagram and all the W's Open Mic Comedy Pod dot com. Uh, we're in your ears on pretty much every podcast platform. So if you're on there, please give us a five star review or a zero star. None of the in between. They mean they mean nothing. Um, <laughs> uh, follow, subscribe, and do all of that stuff, and share it with some people that you think might be interested in this, especially up and coming comedians and people that want to get onto the circuit so lastly thank you imran for your time today yeah and thank you yeah. stay funny on stage and we shall see each other very soon so until next time everyone please keep listening <laughs>